Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. If my tone is wrong, it tanks the communication because all all communication has a tone to it and that tone shows if we care or not. Let me say this. It is impossible to communicate with a person who does not care. It's just, have you ever had a waiter or waitress uh, in a restaurant and they come and take your order and then move to Europe? You know, <laughs> and they're not to be found any longer. They disappear from the face of the earth. Or something. And then you see them walk back through the room, but they don't want, they don't want to make eye contact with you. But you want more tea or you want some ketchup or something like that. And they, they don't care. They, they just don't care. It is impossible to communicate with a person who doesn't care and my tone tells you if I care or not. Listen, so Karen says to me, uh, uh, Jimmy, this and this and this, and, and I respond with, what? What? I'm put out, I'm frustrated. Well, what I'm telling her is I don't care. But if she says to me, Jimmy, I say, yeah. And I respond with the right tone. My tone says everything, and every tone carries an encrypted message to our spouse that either allows them to hear or not. We hear through our deepest needs, okay? so. A, a man's deepest need is honor, and a woman's deepest need is security. We have other needs, but those are our mega needs. So let me use a woman as an example. So a woman needs to feel secure. The Bible tells a man to lay down his life for his wife and to nourish her as he would his own body. And so we're, we're supposed to sacrificially care for our wives. And so when you're talking to your wife, um, it doesn't matter what you're saying. It, the words, what you're saying doesn't matter. Your tone has to say this to her. You're the most important thing in the world to me. I'll lay down everything else in my life to take care of you. You're not a burden to me. You're, you're, not, you're not in any way uh, bothering me. I will do anything. If, if I don't get mine, you'll get yours. To my hurt, I'll take care of your needs. You're first. What is it that you need? Doesn't matter, it, it can be, you can be talking about the kids, you can be talking about anything, but when she hears a tone coming from you of sacrifice and care, it calms her down and makes her feel secure. Okay, and so if Karen said to me, uh, Jimmy, are you going to play golf? And I said, yeah, you got a problem with that? Oh, that's the fight just started. But what if she said, Jimmy, you're going to play golf? And I said to her, well, I was thinking about it, but if you need something, you're more important than golf. What is it that you need? It's all, it's all good. If she knows that she's first, if she knows that I will sacrificially care for her, she can now hear. Listen, if I communicate insecurity to her, it's like a jamming frequency. Rather than calming her down, all it's gonna do is upset her. And my tone is the most important part of that. For a man, when women are communicating with men, you do need to understand we're very sensitive in our egos. And some women say that's just pride. Well, it can be pride, but God made us to where our most important need is respect. And of course, the Bible tells a woman to treat her husband like she would Jesus. That means with, with great respect. So when you're talking to your husband, it doesn't matter what the subject is. What matters is he can't hear if you're disrespectful. I mean, li- what is being said to a man is less important to us than how it's being said. The way you talk to us is more important to us than what you're saying. And when you're going to have successful communication, by the way, what I said about security in women is true of your daughters. And what I'm saying about honor in your husbands is true of your sons. You'll, ne- you'll never, 
you'll never be able to influence a man or a boy when you're disrespecting him. And whatever you're saying, whatever the conversation is, here's what your husband has to hear. I believe in you, you're a good man. You're worth, you're worth everything. I believe that you are really, really an integrous man and I know everything's gonna work out and I believe that you're a hunk. And if you're lying about that, Jesus will forgive you. <laughs> but honey, I need, I need to talk to you about something. If you talk to your husband and he can, what, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? We open our hearts. See, women will open their hearts if they feel secure and men will open their hearts if they feel honored, but you're not gonna be able to communicate if you're not communicating on a heart level. You're talking to my head, but my heart's disconnected. So number one, most important issue in communication is tone. Number two is enough time. You have to have enough time to communicate. Well, let me talk about three different types of communication and how much time to allot to that type of communication. Let me first of all talk about proactive communication. And this is, not reacting constantly to issues, but just sitting down for three to five days a year and having a vision retreat, maybe, maybe including in that a budget. Budgets are very important. Budgets cause you to make decisions in advance. And the most important issue in a budget is not the numbers on a page, it forces you to deal with your values. What do you value? And when you have to assign dollars to things, it makes you focus on your values. And if your values are not the same, you're gonna fight all the time. You're constantly reacting to the kids. You're constantly reacting to busy schedules. You're constantly reacting to all these things. Stop reacting and be proactive. And say, three to five days a year, we're gonna go somewhere. Don't take the kids, it won't work if you take the kids. Find some place for the kids. You can do it in an RV, you can do it in a tent, you can do it at a resort, wherever and you get away three to five days a year and, and you wake up in the mornings and you talk and you pray. You know, you, first of all, you dedicate your marriage to God. This can't be a battle of wills. And if, you're, if you haven't surrendered to God, it's a battle of wills. It's not a battle of wills, it's two wills surrendered to God. We surrender our marriage to you and we don't want anybody to win in this exercise except for God. We want you to show us what to do and you talk about your kids, you talk about your relationship, you talk about spirituality, you talk about jobs, you talk about whatever it is, especially things that you may be fighting about. And you sit down three, four, five days a year, it's called a vision retreat. You, you do that in the mornings and the after, write down what God tells you in the afternoons and evenings, you just have fun. Uh, you do that three to five days. Listen, so how many of you would give five days a year for 360 days of a better marriage? And that's exactly what it is. This transforms marriages. And many people, many people who have bad marriages, they never sit down and talk. They never patiently, proactively talk. And I'm saying three to five days a year, if you will do this, if you'll make it happen on your calendar, save up for it, find a place for the kids, it will transform your relationship. The second type of communication is personal communication. And this takes 30 to 60 minutes a day. This is no distractions, no computers, no telephones, no television, and no kids. You have to train your children to respect your marriage. And you come home and you take care of the kids and give them the time they need, and then you say to your kids, this is mom and dad's time, and we don't want you interrupting. And we're gonna put you to bed. You may die of thirst or get killed by a monster, that's okay. <laughs> we're, good, we, we're good with that, but don't interrupt us, okay? We gave you plenty to drink and we, the exterminator came out, there are no monsters in the house. 
If you don't train your children to respect your marriage, you won't have a marriage. And you need, you need, need, need 30 to 60 minutes a day of looking each other in the eye and talking. What happened with your day? How are you feeling? What's going on? And you connect during that time. Very important, 30 to 60 minutes a day or longer, longer. The third type of communication is intimate communication. Verbal affection, physical affection, humor, you know, just intimate. Five to 10 minutes a day, it will resurrect a dead marriage. You know, five minutes is a long time. Try kissing for five minutes. <laughs> Try staring each other in the eyes for five minutes. I mean, just staring. It's, it's a long time. And think about it. Of all the minutes in your day, think about spending five minutes telling your spouse how much you love them. It, it transforms a relationship. You have to communicate. To, be, to have good communication, you have to have enough time. And if you don't have three to five days a year, for proactive communication. You're just too busy. You need to sacrifice. If you don't have 30 to 60 minutes a day, you need to cut something out of your life, not your marriage. You need to change your priorities. Give something else up. Don't give your marriage up. And if you don't have five to 10 minutes a day of intimate communication, well, you need to make time. It's very, very important. Number three feature of good communication is an atmosphere of trust. You can't communicate without opening your heart. Good communication happens on a heart level, not on a head level. And for us to be able to, to communicate that way, we have to be able to trust each other. And here's, here's what uh, builds trust. In our character, being faithful, servant-hearted, sacrificial, and humble. We have to have good character. The number one reason for dating is to find out the character of the person you're about to marry. And the number one thing that develops character is, is, of course, Christ, but being humble and, and teachable. Number two, in connection, empathy, caring, attentiveness, affirming. I care about you. I, I, I trust you because I feel like you care. You're empathetic. You, you, you put yourself in my shoes, and you're, you're easy to talk. You don't judge me while I'm talking or reject me. In conflict, you're approachable. You're responsible, you, you take responsibility for your issues and you don't blame me constantly. You're committed, you stay, you don't threaten to divorce or something like that. In confidentiality, you never share personal information outside the marriage. You never use sensitive information to retaliate, embarrass, intimidate, or punish. Listen, in marriage, we should be at each other's safe place. The safest place on earth for me to talk is with Karen Evans. And Karen Evans, safest place to talk. But if, I, if she tells me something personal and I share it with my friends or family members or something like that, it's gonna devastate her. So we, we've gotta be confidential. In crisis, we're loyal, faith-filled, and committed. We, we know that we're going to be together. And if something bad happens, if it's personal, financial, marriage, loss, failure, whatever it is, we know that we're committed. And here's a saying that I heard one time. Trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets. And you can lose the trust in five minutes that it took 20 years to gain through irresponsible comments and actions. And so we have to be people. If we're going to have good communication, it means if I've made a mistake, I need to repent. I need to come to you and say, I shared something personal that I shouldn't have shared. Would you please forgive me? I will not do that again. You were trying to connect with me and I've been distracted and I've, I've treated you like you weren't important or special, I repent, I won't do that again. Take responsibility. Blame transfer was the original sin of marriage. When God came to Adam and said, what is this that you've done? He said, it's her fault. 
He went to Eve and she says, it's the devil's fault. If we're gonna have good marriages, we're gonna make mistakes. But when we make a mistake and it violates the trust of our spouse, we have to take personal responsibility for that and ask for them to forgive us. Number four feature of good communication in marriage is an atmosphere of truth. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love, we grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. For any relationship to grow, there has to be truth, but it needs to be loving truth, not mean truth. Truth without grace is mean. And if you speak the truth to your spouse and you're mean about it, it will damage them and it will damage your marriage. Grace without truth is meaningless. If you're just a nice person, but you, you're not telling the truth to your spouse, they deserve the truth, that's, that's useless. You, you have to be able to share the truth. Truth and grace is medicine. And the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth in John 1:14. Jesus, the reason that we love him as our savior is he tells us the truth, but he does it in a gracious and loving way. So let me tell you some truths about this issue. First of all, relationships without conflict, according to research, are not as satisfying as those with conflict where it is resolved. Okay, you need to have some conflict in your relationship. I'm not talking about fighting and yelling and doing bad stuff. I'm talking about there needs to be the ability to be truthful in your relationship and to express things that you don't agree on, okay? Another truth. Relationships where truth is spoken without love violate trust and therefore there's a shutdown of communication, therefore ensuring that conflicts cannot be resolved. So if you're mean, if you're mean with me and you say things in a mean way, it's gonna shut down communication. Number three, much of the truth that must be spoken in marriage isn't absolute eternal truth. It is what is real to us and how we're feeling. It's just my truth. I'm not, even though my feelings may be real, I'm not saying they're right. Okay. And there's a difference between criticizing and complaining. This is a critical difference in marriage. Okay. We have to be able to complain in marriage. And in the best marriages, you give your spouse the right to complain without paying a price. They don't fear complaining. Now, criticizing and complaining are different. Criticism is about you. And I come to you and I say, you did this and you did this and you did this and you did this and this is what you meant by it and all that stuff. And you're immediately defensive. That's, that's being critical. But complaining is not about you. Complaining is about me. And complaining, what I'm saying is, honey, you said something to me this morning and I don't know what you meant by it, but can I tell you how I feel? I felt like you were trying to get back at me about yesterday, and I'm not saying that's true, but I'm just saying, that's, see, when, when I'm complaining to you and telling you how I feel, you don't feel attacked. And it's gonna be very easy for you to say, that's not, that's not what happened at all. I, I was not trying to get you back. And see, you don't have to make your case. All I'm doing is sharing my feelings. But if I come to you judging you and trying to tell you what you meant by that, then it, it just shuts down communication on all levels. We need to be able to share our truth. Okay. I'm not saying this is scriptural truth. I'm just saying it's the way that I feel. And when your spouse shares something like that with you, you need to validate it. Even if you don't agree, what you can say is, well, honey, I don't, I don't really understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree, but I understand that it's important. And I, I want to thank you for sharing. The worst marriages are where people pay a price for being truthful. They're the worst. And many times when people come to counseling, they'll say something to me and I'll say, have you told your spouse that? And they'll say, no, they'd go ballistic. Okay, listen. I want to be the best husband that I can be for Karen Evans. And there's only one way I can do that. And that's information from Karen Evans. And if Karen came to me and complained and said, Jimmy, you're not meeting my needs. And I said to her, yes, I am. Yes, I, what do you mean? Yeah, what? And I 
push back at her, what's happening, she's gonna shut down. And I, the only way you know you're a good husband is when your wife tells you you are. The only way you know you're a good wife is when your husband tells you. And if you're threatened by their information, there's something wrong with you, not them. And we need to be careful in how we share. We need to complain and not criticize. We need to make it about our feelings and not about them. Here's another thing about truth. Grace must precede truth in order for it to be received. Again, according to research, conversations in marriage never rise above the level of the first three minutes. It's called harsh startup. If you begin, if you begin by saying, I'll tell you what, right now, I'm on the computer in there and I'm on onehourdivorce.com. I've got the page up and I'm gonna go in there and push enter if you don't, if you don't say what I wanna hear. Well, it's gonna go bad, you know. When you come in with your guns blazing and threats and stuff like that, a conversation never rises above the level of the first three minutes. So let me tell you, and I used to do that when I was a young husband. Let me, let me tell you how to start a conversation with your spouse. Honey, I wanna talk to you about something I'm upset about, okay? And I'm not saying I'm right, I'm just saying this is how I'm feeling and I just wanna be able to talk it out. But before we talk, I want you to know, I'm so glad we're married. I'm so glad I chose you. I choose you all over again. We're on the same team and this is gonna work out. I know, I know it's gonna be fine. I'm totally committed to our relationship. But can I share with you how I'm feeling? That's gonna be a good conversation. That's the way Karen and I talk to each other. And so we begin by de-escalation. We begin by affirming each other and being committed. It's gonna be a great conversation. Gary Chapman, uh, the author of The Five Love Languages, wrote a book called Now You're Speaking My Language. And according to his book, there are four unhealthy fowls, F-O-W-L-S, birds. Four unhealthy fowls of communication in marriage. And I think most of us fit naturally within one of these. The first is a dove. Uh, I want peace at any price. In this pattern, one partner placates the other in order to avoid his or her wrath. There was, I, I did a marriage conference in Pennsylvania and after the, one of my sessions, a woman came up and was talking to me. She said, my best friend left her husband uh, this, this week. That's what I'm very sorry to hear about. He, she said, in 10 years, she had never one time complained to him about anything. But she left saying she was miserable. She was a dove. She, and what I call these is sweet liars. They're real sweet, but they just don't tell the truth. Number two is a hawk. It's your fault, a hawk attacks. This, this was how I was. The hawk blames his spouse for everything. Hawks appear to be strong and belligerent, but in reality, they're weak emotionally. The third foul is an owl. Let's be reasonable. This person shows no feelings, says the right words, reveals no emotional reaction, and is more like a computer than a person. The fourth foul is an ostrich. Ignore it and it will go away. This, this pattern basically ignores the other person's actions and comments. This person simply doesn't respond. And he's saying, all of those aren't honest. All of those violate the honesty of marriage. If you're going to have a good marriage, it means you're going to have to be able to be honest and to share your feelings. Let me say one other thing before I go to my last point here. You're married to someone very different. If you're married, I hope you're not shocked by that comment. You, you thought you were marrying someone exactly like you. You got online and you matched in all 3,000 categories. And they're a cowboy fan. You thought you were marrying Mr. Wright, Miss Wright. My, my friend says that he, uh, he knew he was marrying Miss Wright, but he didn't know her first name was always. 
Uh, and you matched in every category. You matched in every category. But you're married to someone so different. Listen, to have good communication in marriage, you have to give your spouse the right to think different thoughts and feel different feelings and to be validated. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.